Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Podcast, your go-to source for all things real estate in Toronto. Today, we will discuss how good seller agents find and reach buyers for your property in 2024. Because let's face it, gone are the days of relying solely on the multiple listing service, aka MLS. Today, the real estate market and its marketing have evolved, calling for innovative, responsive, creative, and tech-driven strategies to help your property stand out. From broadening your search to streamlining the process, technology, for better or worse, is the new cornerstone of finding the right buyer for your property. Those realtors and sellers who are not evolving with the times could find themselves left out in the cold. It's not just about listing your property anymore, it's about connecting. Remember, your buyer is searching for their next home on the go. Before I forget, please don't forget to like, subscribe, or comment. It means a lot to us here at Fox Marin. My name is Ian Busher, and I'm a broker with the Fox Marin team. Keeper number handy. This is Corey Marin, in-house hype girl and resident expert listing broker. And of course, a good man to know, <laughs> this is Mr. Ralph Fox, our analytical, investor-driven, macro picture watcher. Let's jump into it. How does a seller find the best buyer for their property in 2024? Ralph, you want to take <laughs> us uh, take us through it? Yeah, for sure. But I'd like to step back and just uh, acknowledge, uh, Ian, that you just hit your 10-year anniversary in real estate. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, a couple Um, of days ago. You must have started in real estate when you were about 15 years old. So that's pretty amazing (laughs) in and of itself. Um, But definitely a big marker. So congratulations. Ah, Thank you very much. Yeah, we uh, before we jumped on this, uh, what did we say? It's uh, it feels like 25 years crammed into 10. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Fast-paced, Amazing. hectic, but very rewarding. Yes. And I awesome. couldn't have done it without you guys either. So thank you for that. You've been, 80% of it has been with the Fox Marin team, which is awesome. Awesome. I love that. Awesome. Well, we're very lucky to have you as part of the team and as uh, Vice President of Sales for Fox Marin. So thank you, awesome sir. all around. High fives. We can have high a little fives, celebration. Virtual high fives. <laughs> Exactly. And we'll have to do something to mark this event uh, in person, uh, maybe later on this week. But uh, anyways, uh, let's get into the topic of the day. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to throw out there is let's just talk about the importance of having innovative methods in marketing in 2024 in, in real estate. And Corey being the head of marketing for Fox Marin and the, the voice and spirit and heart of our team brand and company. I thought I'd just pass this one over to you to start with. Thank you, Ralph. Uh, I think this is such an interesting topic and we talk about it so much with our selling clients in person. I think this is just an amazing topic for us to share on this channel for sellers who are considering listing their property this year and really considering the avenues they can explore and get super hyper creative and innovative when working with their agents to sell their properties, to find that buyer that's perfect for their property, that's willing to pay the highest and best because they are emotionally connected to that gem. And so real estate has obviously evolved like many industries over the last decade or two due to the introduction of technology. But even more so, we often use the analogy that buyers are shopping for their next property while they're on the go. They are legitimately standing in Starbucks waiting for their venti cappuccino with extra foam. Uh, Then they're scrolling through their handheld devices, looking at different apps like Realtor.ca or House Sigma or Listed, and they're searching for that next best thing. They're searching for something that's going to make them stop in their tracks and move into action. And we all know that nobody has an attention span anymore. And so the job of the listing agent or the selling agent is to create an impact on a digital screen, a tiny screen that will get somebody to notice you and then look or seek more information, whether that's look at more photos, look at a video, read the copy, look for the listed price, attend an open house, reach out to the agent, whatever the action is, it's the listing agent's job to make sure the creative, that hero shot is interesting enough to grab somebody's attention. And we all know that we are just constantly bombarded with video and images and memes and music all day, every day. So standing out with that thought in mind, I think is imperative in 2024 more so than ever before. I was just going to say, how many times have you caught yourself wasting time Right, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You need to catch that where they stop and say, "Hey, I want that." Mm-hmm. And they may not this? even know they want it. 
That's the point. Like they might not even know they want it. And so we want to speak to that audience too, or we want to speak to somebody who says, oh, this could be perfect for my sister or, oh my gosh, my parents would love it. Or my friends Mm -hmm. moving here from Vancouver and relocating to Toronto and they're going to be working at the new Google office. I'm going to forward to him or her, whatever it is. And so getting that type of engagement is key and casting that wide net using technology and visual images, whether that's short video, long video, or those still pictures is just absolutely key. And you've just got to think about the fact that people are scrolling while they're on the go. That is the number one thing I want you to take home from this podcast today. And Ian, I know we're talking about this from the seller experience, but obviously sellers are looking to attract buyers. So over the course of the decade that you've been in the business, there's been so much changes in the industry. How have you seen the behavior of buyers change in terms of influences that attract them to a property, knowing that you were in the business, for example, before House Sigma existed or before they opened up data to uh, all to the public uh, mm-hmm. versus having everything sheltered into MLS. What changes have you seen in the way buyers are searching, looking for properties and ultimately become attracted to them? It's it's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about how, like what what was the thing that led me to buy my first property and how did I reach out to the bank or the mortgage broker? How did I get the ball rolling once I went to an open house and realized I had no idea what I was doing yet? And that's what it was, walking by somewhere and saying, hey, I I want that. Like The characteristics of this home are amazing and how do we do this? But I think that was kind of how it used to be, is you would come across something in person, an open house, a newspaper ad, and people would come to you and say, how do I do this? But now everything's so much more fast-paced. And like Corey's saying, it's on the go. It's almost... Everything is phones and tablets, and people don't turn to the television anymore after dinner. You finish dinner, everyone picks up their phone to check and see if anything happened while you were dining with your partner, your family. I would say we definitely get people reaching out as a result of social media, probably first and foremost. But uh, How Sigma is huge. Uh, We have the listed app now. If you're really serious about home buying, instead of Facebook instead of Instagram, you might actually have one of these apps and that's where you're scrolling is uh, kind of, uh, to use a terrible term, real estate porn. You're, you're going through it looking for you know something that's really interesting to you that's going to pull you in even further. It's interesting because MLS failed and Realtor.ca failed so badly that these third-party apps realized that they could have a much better customer experience mm-hmm. on their interface and that's why they've really taken off is because Realtor.ca and MLS got left so far behind versus technology versus other industries. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting to see that shift. And even more so interesting is like people today actually still watch TV. They just watch Netflix, but they're scrolling at the same time they're watching yeah. Netflix. They're, they need even more stimulation because just watching a 30-minute show is just not enough. So then they'll jump onto their apps while multitasking by watching a show. So, Corey, did you have something you want to say? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting topic, the question that you asked. And I think a lot of the change is that the buyer is empowered to take on the search on their own versus relying on the mm-hmm. agent to find and source a property. They are now empowered to also be part of the search. They can create their own lists. They can favorite things. They can see the history of a property. They have all of these different apps that we keep talking about, which they never had access to. And they are not relying on the agent having access to the information on MLS. And they're not relying on the Globe and Mail's real estate section being published every Saturday or Sunday. I mean, it's evolved so much in the time that we've been in the business that when I first started listing properties, I would take out an ad in the Globe and Mail and pay for that little spot, um, which we would never invest in that now, knowing we have so many other avenues to leverage and put money behind in marketing that is going to make such a bigger impact for the seller um, and the seller's prospects for that property. So I think it's really that the buyer is just a lot more part of the process with the, when it comes to the search because they have access to so much more information. And what's so interesting is there's technology that's evolved 
not directly specific to trading and real estate that has had such a massive impact. Like one of the things I just thought of is Google Maps and people looking at satellite images and looking at things that are happening in the neighborhood and then being able to go on the Toronto City of Toronto website and look at development applications and then go into the Fraser Institute. And one of the things, we're talking about this on a call yesterday with, uh, with one of our sellers, and we were saying to her, and this is so true, is ever since COVID, we've seen such a dynamic shift mm-hmm. in people who are looking to purchase a property or buyers, whereby before they even leave their house now, it's very premeditated. It's not like, ah, let's just have a coffee and look at, you know, go to open houses or go out with our agent and look at 20 properties. If somebody's going to look at, leave their house to look at a property, they are going to have done a ton of meticulous research. And it just blows my mind away if we're hosting an open house and a buyer walks in, how much they already know about the property before they actually step into it. And so Mm -hmm. taking a step back to the actual um, topic of this conversation for today is, is that it's really important to have that package and tell that story now so more than ever because it's more important to buyers now so more than ever. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Even a brand new buyer, which I have all the time looking at, at at listings, if there's no photos apart from a shot of the outside, won't go see it. Mm-hmm. Somehow 100%. even they know there's something wrong with this. There's got to be something 100%. wrong with this if it's not if it's not being represented properly. I'm not taking my track pants out to go see properties if I don't have to. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm all about the drawstring between the January and February. Yeah. And let's talk about, because Ian, you touched on this, and I'll push this back over to Core, but let's talk about how mobile has really shifted the, 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 the landscape of Toronto real estate from a, from a listing perspective. Mm-hmm. Core, what, is, what does that mean to you? It means everything needs to be responsive. So 90% of the time that people are looking at your listing, they're looking from their mobile devices. They're not on their desktop. They're not on their Commodore 64. They're not on their Dell laptop that we all used to be on back in the day. They are legitimately... They're not signing in. They're not. They're already in. They're already in. They're already in. And so everything really needs to be responsive and responsive meaning that it has to look good on a phone. And this is something that we're always very aware of as well. So when you create any type of marketing collateral, that could be the newsletter that goes out about the property. That could be the custom curated website that we create for every property. The social media ads, we need to make sure obviously they look good on a desktop and everything generally does look better on a desktop because it's bigger and you can be a little bit more creative. However, on mobile, everything stacks. It stacks vertically. So you could create something very aesthetically pleasing on a large screen and it could be very interesting and dynamic. But as soon as that stacks to mobile, it literally does that. Every image goes on top of one another. And so when we are designing material and working with the team, we really want to make sure, knowing that people are searching on the go, not to repeat myself, that it has that responsive design because that's going to affect how people feel about the property. If they feel that it's expensive, luxurious, is it easy for them to find information? And this is all not something... I don't think necessarily the buyer is thinking about like, is this website easy to use? Or, you know, is this font nice? Does What does that mean? I think it's about the experience. And we are very aware of our marketing choices for that reason. So if you can make sure that everything that you're doing digitally is responsive for mobile, and it's easy for the purchaser to navigate it, view it, get information, it's going to make them feel better about the property instinctively, intuitively, and that can always lead to more action. So I think that's a really good way to think about moving on the go when it comes to real estate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Anything you'd like to add with that, Ian? No. Well, one thing I was I was thinking about while Corey was talking about that is us as realtors have to know in this marketing how to set this up so that across all platforms, it works, right? It needs to work differently on mobile than it does on laptop. It needs to work differently uh, in print than it does electronically. And it's uh, there's it's it's one of those things like when you're building a house, when you're doing the drywall, when you're doing the plumbing, when you're doing the electricity, nobody notices and nobody cares. But get it wrong, then you'll be remembered for the wrong reasons. So true. Right? So your word seamless is perfect. It's got to be where what they're focusing on is the property. 
and not how your marketing is either working or not working. Yeah, or what right? button you want to click. Seamless, undistracted, flow through, nice and easy call to action. Exactly. And it's weird because somebody won't even consciously, in most cases, unless it's awful mm-hmm. marketing, which exactly. real estate is notorious We've all for. Seen. But oftentimes people will just, they won't even think about how awful the marketing is. They'll just skip over it, right? It, yeah. the, you won't even be like, oh my God, this is done terribly. It's just like, I'm not interested. Move on, move yep. on, move or, on, move or, on. Or worse, they get mad, Yeah, right? Maybe and you've I, got three properties in that particular ad and they won't even go look at two or three because it's so janky and they can't navigate it. So let's move on and let's talk about syndication. And again, this is something that I find so interesting because you have MLS and Realtor.ca, which is basically the hub, and then everything sort of spits out from there. And one of the things that I find that is so important to our sellers as soon as a listing goes live is it's like, oh my gosh, how come it's not on um, House Sigma? How come it's not on listed? Where, where is it? Where is it? And we always have to remind them that those are third parties and it takes time. It's not instantaneous like MLSs, which is something that we have direct control and participation in. And it's interesting to see how heavily in their minds they weight these third-party apps versus MLS or Realtor.ca, mm-hmm. which is the hub. So a lot of people put a lot of focus on it. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, Corey, if you can sort of go into uh, your experience with how it impacts selling a property and why it is or isn't as important as people seem to think it is. It is important because we want to make sure that your property is everywhere. And so if somebody is searching the address or somebody is using a map tool or somebody floats by a sign as they're driving by in their car or on their bike or whatever, and they are looking for more information, that the more it shows up everywhere, the better. So yes, we want it to be on all of those apps, but as the agents ourselves, we have no control over that. And as you mentioned, Ralph, we load it onto MLS, which is the back end or the broker version of Realtor.ca. That will syndicate to Realtor.ca. And from there, it moves over to all of these third-party apps. And different people are using different apps for different reasons. I would say the majority of our buyer clients are either on Listed or on House Sigma and maybe Realtor.ca. Uh, and that's probably how they're searching. I think most people are really drawn to House Sigma because it's it's A, easy to navigate. It shows a lot about the property history. And it also has a built-in algorithm which tells the user how much the property may or may not sell for, which is incredibly wrong and inaccurate 99.99999% of the time. So buyers have fun in there. Like it's fun for them. I mean, that's where I would say the majority of our buyer clients are taking screenshots on the go and sending us over and saying, hey, can you send me more information about this? Does this property have an offer date? Is there an open house here? And they're most of the time, they're looking at House Sigma as being a tool. And then we're also very aware of syndicating to all of our international portals as well. And at Fox Marin, we'll be on 130 portals around the world and translated into 15 different languages. So We're not only accessing people who are searching on the go in Toronto and the GTA, we're making sure that we're accessing everybody in Canada and then plus the international crowd as well. So it is very important because we want to make sure that your address shows up no matter what tool the user is using. One of the things that uh, I find so interesting or unfortunate about all these third-party apps is, is that there's certain information still that is not transparent to the general public that agents have access to. So for example, on an MLS listing, there are broker remarks. And so we will be able to see things like holding off on offers till next Tuesday. So often, and it's such a frustration because we are all about transparency and we feel that the consumer should have access to that information. But again, as agents, what will happen is, is somebody will see, oh my gosh, this is listed for $1.4 million. This, this looks like a deal. And then they'll write to Ian and say, can we offer like 1.3 on it? And Ian will have to write back and say, no, they're actually holding off on offers till next Tuesday. The house is probably worth about $1.8 million Mm -hmm. and could sell for even more. And it Mm -hmm. is 
so confusing for a seller. And I just wish that that information could be opened up on Realtor.ca and on all these portals so that everybody will have equal access to understand what the hell is actually going on because it can be very confusing. So I don't want to segue off talking about this from the listing perspective. So I still want to Mm -hmm. keep us on track, but it is a frustration that at every opportunity I will vent. So if anybody's watching um, and they have any connections to the Toronto Real Estate Board, please contact your local member and just let them know that this is something that should be made far more transparent. Ian, what are you seeing in terms of, because I know you, you actually like to use the listed app. How are you seeing that as a third-party syndication uh, affecting buyers in the search that is important for sellers to understand. So what is it that buyers are seeing there that it's important for a seller to understand? Because when you're a seller, you think about things through the seller's lens, and it's very Mm -hmm. important to understand things from a buyer's Mm -hmm. lens. Listed and House Sigma have a lot of similarities. Um, Mm -hmm. When someone comes to us and they're using Realtor.ca, for example. Well, the three of us know, but maybe the public doesn't know, Realtor.ca really is a, is a big old dinosaur and it moves very slowly and new things coming out, as far as the public can see them, can, can take four, six, eight, 12 hours mm-hmm. to get posted. When us as agents, as Corey was saying, put things up on MLS, uh, both House Sigma and Listed, they actually pop up usually within the hour, if not sooner. I, at one point, was watching, just just my timing was perfect. I actually was on MLS, I clicked refresh, and there was a house there that wasn't on House Sigma yet, or wasn't on Listed yet. And I, we know Catherine McIntosh, who's the developer of this Listed app. So I texted her we, and I said... And we, sh- and we should have her on the show. I we should. it would be really interesting. It would be, absolutely. I texted her to say, hey, I've, I've found a flaw. This is on MLS and it's not. And she said, give it 30 minutes. And sure enough, because I had a search set up for the same area, within half an hour, it was up on listed. As far as sellers knowing how important these things are, anybody who's using House Sigma or, or uh, listed is going to get these things so much faster than if they're relying on uh, Realtor.ca to let them know. And I guess we should also let people know who don't know that MLS does a search overnight, sends you an email in the middle of the night and into your inbox the next morning. But one of the benefits for us as agents using listed and House Sigma for searches is that we're not waiting for those emails to come in the next day to let you know there's a new $1.5 million home in Riverdale. You know within an hour of it coming out because your phone has given you an alert. Yeah, real So time. to answer your question, savvy buyers are using these apps instead of sort of the more traditional way that we had before because their notifications are like that. Mm-hmm. Which is how instant. people are thinking now. People want instant yeah. gratification. They want exactly. the new. They want the next thing. So... Yep. sellers have to be thinking about that. They want to know, like, that's how the buyer is going to find your property with that type of instant gratification. Yeah, and with things in Toronto selling as fast as they do, sometimes on day zero, which is the day it comes out, do you want to get an email the next morning saying, hey, look what you missed yesterday <laughs> yes. because we took so long to notify you? Exactly. Right? Anything to get an angle or an edge on everybody else as a buyer That's what they're looking for. Thank you for that, Ian. Um, Okay, so we're going to move on to another topic, which could be an entire series of podcasts for a month. Okay. We're going to talk about social media and building a following. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Core, tell me about the role of social media in real estate marketing in under 17 hours or less. I can easily do it under 17 hours. Okay, how about we start with, with... with a two minutes or a minute and a half soliloquy here. Yes, I can. I cannot stress the importance of social media in real estate marketing in 2024 more so than ever before. This is the avenue that you want to put your marketing dollars behind. We put the majority of our marketing spend on sponsored advertising on tools like Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook, because you are going to reach a very broad audience in a short period of time. and in real time. And we're speaking the language of today's mobile user when we're using these as resources. We're putting the property right in front of the target audience. We're making it easy for them to see it. And so the more dollars we put behind it, the more reach we have. The more reach we have, the more engagement we have. The more engagement we have, the more it gets forwarded, favorited, or shared. And so our job as listing agents is to capitalize on these tools that are so perfect for real estate, beautiful photography, cinematic video, short form video, 
copywriting, uh, trendy copywriting, hashtags, everything that somebody who enjoys scrolling, this is like the perfect, perfect curated package to drop in their feed. So I would say things like fitness, real estate, architecture, uh, food, all of these things are like classic on people's feeds because people engage with that type of thing. It gives them that feeling of, you know, could that be me? It's inspirational and aspirational. And so, yes, I could go on about this, but this is a 100% where your buyer most of the time is living, I would say. So I'd say a lot of our properties speak to a demographic between the ages of 25 and 55. That would probably be like the buyer pool that's looking for a lot of the properties that we're selling. And they are 100% probably using one of the social media tools, if not all of them. Uh, So this is big time for us. And I think the other interesting thing about that is we've really been capitalizing on using Reels a lot more, which is shorter form video. And Instagram is really prioritizing short form video because they want to compete with TikTok. And so we've been really having a lot of success using these 30, 45 second videos on Instagram And the engagement can be, you know, 23,000 people viewed that video over a seven-day period with some sponsored advertising tech behind it. So this is big time. And if your listing agent is not using those tools or doesn't already have a big following, then there's some question marks right there for you. Yeah, I think having, and it's one of the ways I, I look at it is social proof is such an important thing when you're looking to hire uh, an agent to sell your property look at their presence online across all platforms. Look at Google reviews. Look at their blog. Is it updated? Look at their website. Is it templated? Look at their um, social media. And I think one of the important things to understand, and it's a mantra here we have at Fox Marin, but how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you don't have that attention to detail, if you don't have a high level of care in how you're presenting yourself, how are you going to do that with your clients? Mm -hmm. And so that is something that really matters, especially in real estate, because attention to detail matters. An extra zero in paperwork can be the difference between, you know, in a mistake, a significant lawsuit and having a smooth transaction. Details really, 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 really matter. And it's something that you want your listing agent to obsess on when they're they're looking to sell your property. And how they how that projects online is a really good sense of how they will conduct themselves in, in selling mm-hmm. your property. Core, do you have any examples of some of the so- successes we've had through social media marketing for some of our clients, both maybe in reach or in sales or in wins that have happened through through our reach or through your marketing efforts? I can't think of a particular property specifically, but I know for a fact that I would say 40 to 50% of our client base now comes to us from social media and or they've gotten to know us via social media for a period of time before they've reached out. And oftentimes people will attend an open house that have seen a sponsored ad and or have received the ad that's been forwarded to them from a friend or a family member and that person's received it. And then they're like, ooh, this looks like something of interest to me. I reached out to my agent and booked a showing. It's very hard to measure conversion rate on social because it is such a broad spectrum. So we can't actually always say the root of this buyer came from a social media ad. It's You can't track it that way um, in terms of true conversion. I would say it's more through hearsay and conversation that I know that we have sourced a lot of our audience at Fox Marin on a broad scale and specific to sellers' properties using these tools. And that is why every time now that we list a new property, more and more we're being very specific about the story we're telling there the budget we're putting behind it. Also thinking like, where is the the audience for this? Is this an Instagram user or is this a Facebook user? And and skewing um, how we split that that marketing budget according to the audience on both of those platforms. So yeah, I can't think of a specific address or uh, to share with you, Ralph, to answer your question, but I can speak broadly to it in that way. Well, this will lead lend into the custom website part of our conversation that I want to get into, but it is interesting uh, to, to know that we can see the amount of activity on realtor.ca with a listing yes. 
And we can also see the level of activity on a custom website that we have for one of our properties. And oftentimes we will get far more activities on the custom website that we build mm-hmm. out versus what's happening on realtor.ca. And that is all through social media marketing. So we're getting twice the amount of eyeballs, sometimes even 3x the amount of eyeballs on a property that we wouldn't have gotten had we just had it on uh, realtor.ca. And one of the things that's important to note is anybody who's looking to buy a $2 million home is really going to be working with an agent and they're not just going to be calling trying to work with us, you know, and 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 just show up at the open house and then mysteriously just put in an offer. It takes a while to get qualified and get your head around actually moving towards the direction of offering on a property like this. And so what happens generally is is once they see the website, once they see the social media marketing, then they'll forward it if they're active to their agent or if they're unactive, they'll they'll reignite with an agent who they've communicated with before or somebody else that they want to work with and say, can you find out more information about this? Mm-hmm. But we can definitely see it on the traction that we get on our custom website that is in often cases far more than Realtor.ca. So I think that is also another really good tell that we uh, that we see. And leading into our custom website part of the conversation core. Can you talk about why that's so important yes. and lend into sort of what I was talking about with the metrics that we're seeing For sure. and, and why it's important to be able to tell your story in that manner on a website? Yeah, 100%. So I really believe that real estate selling is storytelling. And as we mentioned, mm-hmm. Realtor.ca and MLS are dinosaurs back there. And when you go to the back end of these tools, that which we have access to, it literally is like DOS 1991 back there. It's clunky, it's slow, it's old. And we can only, we're so limited as to what we can do back there. So meaning all of your photos are compressed. We can only add a certain amount of attachments, which isn't even intuitively easy to figure out when you are back there to see what it looks like from the user lens. We can only use certain descriptive words that MLS permits us to use to describe rooms. Uh, There's a character limit as to how much we can describe about the property and or discuss the extras, that being like inclusions or exclusions or neighborhood information. So there's just so much missing from the storytelling component of MLS that the listing agent's job really should be to create a website, a custom website just for you, for your property, where everything can live and breathe. And I mean, full copy, neighborhood information, download information, feature sheets, the full photo gallery, the full length video, the floor plan, all of this can be there to express everything we want to tell about your beautiful condo or your beautiful home. And so we put a lot of time and energy onto the custom sites. And then our job is to drive traffic there. And as Ralph mentioned, we often have more people exploring your custom website than they do looking at realtor.ca, which is very much a limited experience. We want them to have that broad experience and we get them there using social media platforms. Awesome. Ian, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, I was just going to say that you mentioned the call to action from a buyer will be to reach out to their existing agent or an agent they knew before or find an agent. But also one other option is they don't do that at all. They reach out to us directly. So I was just going to add that one of my favorite things to do is we'll get a question from realtor.ca. And sometimes it's not for an appointment, but they just say, is the basement finished in this property? As an example. And I love writing back and saying, actually, yes, it is. And if you found us on realtor.ca, here's the website where you'll find a ton of more information. Like it is a pleasure to shoot people over the link to the website for properties yes. that we list. Yes. Because I know they'll have everything and more that MLS or Realtor.ca has got. And chances are good that will drive them to book a showing with either us or their agent. So 100%. yeah, it's 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 huge. It's huge on delivering all the information that every buyer wants. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, Ian, so I'm going to pass this one over to you. So tell me about utilizing uh, agent networks and why it's Mm. important to have a good reputation as a listing agent and why it's important to have a really good uh, network of agents in in an area when you're listing a property. Absolutely. 
when I am representing a, I'm going to take one step back and then move into it. But when I am representing a buyer and they send me a listing or I send them a listing, it is always, speaking of it's a pleasure, there's so many great agents uh, downtown where you've done a deal with them before, you've worked with them before, you've shown their listings before, their listings always look great. They're uh, agreeable, thorough, professional. So when you see one of those names as the listing agent, when I'm representing a buyer, it's like, okay, if my client likes this, this is going to be mm-hmm. hopefully fun and easy. It'll be a, a pleasure to do this uh, deal with them if if it comes to that. And that is how I want other agents to feel when they see my name at the bottom of a listing. So it's super, super important that your reputation as an agent, I mean, some people who are assholes maybe won't agree with this, but I feel like it's it's important that other agents looking at your listing know that your branding is consistent. They, they're not going to be worried about coming and showing the property and it looking worse in person. You're going to be professional. You're going to know everything there is to know about that property if they've got questions. I, I just can't say enough about how important it is to know and be known in that group of agents that does the bulk of the business. And Ralph, maybe you can speak to the stats of just how many agents there are in the city of Toronto and what percentage of them are really doing the bulk of the business. 40 some odd percent have done, will do zero transactions in a year. 48% will do one to six. So you're looking at close to like 85% of the agent population doing less than a transaction every other month. And so it's the Pareto principle on steroids (laughs) where you probably have 1% of the agents and generally their teams, the day of the loan agent uh, has sort of disappeared. And that's another sort of uh, aspect to this is there are so many moving parts that a loan agent really cannot master every aspect of it uh, and provide the highest amount of service to their client and have the experience by doing the amount of volume at that level to give the best service to their clients. And so it's really important to understand that it's going to be a team as opposed to an individual agent that has that reputation. And on the buy side, it, it gives you confidence knowing that you have a very strong listing agent or listing team because you're going to know there's going to be no surprises. There are so many times where you have uh, an incompetent or unexperienced listing agent and you start to do your due diligence and you go see the property and you realize that there's so much that hasn't been disclosed or the price is so out of whack with the actual reality of the property that um, you start to gain less confidence in the listing itself. And when you know upfront that everything is going to be disclosed upfront and it's going to be handled professionally, it gives you a lot more confidence to want to bring a client and spend your time uh, looking at that property because you know what you see is probably going to be what you're going to get versus the opposite when you're dealing with a with a lesser experienced uh, agent or somebody who's working at a far lower level. And having those relationships and reputation is just so key. And it actually makes it fun uh, when you're working with somebody on the other side, on the buy or the sell side, who actually knows what they're doing and can communicate effectively on behalf of their client, but yet understand the bigger picture needs to be a win-win scenario. Mm-hmm. Core, anything you'd like to add on that? I just love working with great agents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Period. Love Agreed. it. Agreed. Yep. Yep. And it's two seconds. Even if you don't know the agent, you know their reputation, that's one thing. Or you just pick up the phone and you just hear that energy and you hear that clarity and you're like, yes, somebody Thank you. Thank brain. You. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, with 75,000 agents being one of the largest real estate agents boards in the world with the highest amount of turnover, um, that is often not the case. And it is the exception of the rule to have somebody on the other side who really knows what they're doing. And it's such a frustrating thing to see because you're thinking, wow, does this buyer or seller really understand who is representing them and how poorly they are being looked after or represented? So if you're watching this, whether you're a buyer or seller, really, really do your due diligence uh, in who's representing you because it really, really matters. And it goes into like those crazy stats that you see where you see like uh, people will spend more time, you know, planning a vacation than they will making the biggest financial movements of their life. They'll spend more time thinking about where they're going to go to dinner and reading the reviews of the restaurants or where so they're going to cut their hair than they will well, of who, birthday card. who is going to guide them through a buy and sell of, you know, three, four, five million dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. Just 
astounds me. And I, sometimes when you see the stats of that, it just blows my mind away from put up by the National Association of Realtors. It's incredible. As human beings, what we don't like are headaches and problems stacked on top of problems. What we're busy doing, whether we're the listing agent or a buyer agent, is we're communicating, we're educating, and we're playing therapist to our clients. That mm-hmm. is our focus. So when the other agent starts to become a problem, when the listing starts to become a problem, that's just stacking a problem on top of all of the work that you're trying to do to keep these people focused, happy, aware. So when you've got to educate the other agent or you've got to dig deeper on the house because they didn't do it, mm, yeah, that's just a pain in the ass. So when you see a great agent, as Corey mentions, we love you for the hard work that you're doing to make our lives easier and to make the lives of our clients easier. Awesome. Thank you for that. Core. Yes. Open houses in 2024. Mm. Yes, no, maybe. Yes. Yep. It's the listing agent's job to cast the widest net. I think a lot of sellers put a lot of weight on open houses. Like they think the open house is the be all and end all of the listing. And I think it was back in like 1988. Not so much mm-hmm. now. I think they're still important. I think it's the listing agent's job to still execute them in the buildings that permit them and the complexes that do. And of course, in freeholds, they would be permitted. I think it is the listing agent's job to do them. It's an amazing way to represent the property, sell the property, get feedback from people in real time. It's a great way for really busy buyer agents to send clients to see the property if they're unable to do a private showing. So it's a really great opportunity to talk to potential prospects about the property and get that real-time feedback. So yes... Do I think that somebody's going to roll in off the open house? It's like, oh, I wasn't considering buying a $3 million house until I just stumbled in here with a coffee today and now I'm going to offer on it. No. I think qualified buyers that are going to offer will be working specifically with an agent and will likely have a private showing at some point. I really like the idea in 2024 of introducing and adding more evening open houses during the work week so that young professionals can pop by an open house after their work day as they're heading home. I think that's really good value add. I think extending open houses and doing a little bit of longer period on a Saturday or Sunday because people have such busy schedules with their kids, going mm-hmm. to hockey and gymnastics and all the things that kids do on the weekend. So offering more extended period could be helpful. And I think that it's also another way for buyers and the buyer's agent or potential prospects to meet the listing agent and get to know, like, and trust them as well in person. And if you're articulate and uh, know about the property and you're fun um, and all of the things that are attached to that type of presentation, I think it makes potential buyers feel even better about potentially offering on the property when the time comes. So yes, they are relevant. I do not think they're the be-all and end-all, but I think it's our job as listing agents to explore any and every way a property could sell. Ian, what is your position from the sellers, from the listing agent's perspective on open houses? I, I think they have immense value. I, I was going to add, uh, to course, sometimes the people that are coming through actually have already had a showing, mm-hmm. and now they're bringing their partner, or they just want to spend an hour walking around instead of the 20 minutes they were there with the agent, with the agent telling them about it. They just want to get a feel for it. So it's, it's all about exposure. And uh, and I think it's great. If you're a listing agent and you're hosting an open house, get off your phone. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Put your phone in a drawer and turn it off and be for there. For two hours? For Ian? two hours, yeah. Two be there. hours? Well, I, can't I mean, you can, maybe you can hold it. But can get off in? the phone, greet people, ask them if they have any questions, right? There's nothing worse than going to an open house and kind of feeling like you're interrupting the yes. agent by asking for something. Yes. Right, and then but th- then you have the other thing where the agent just is all over you and hovering you and yeah. following you around the Find house. Find a balance, and they're like, "This is the second bedroom." I know that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Can you just get off my back and let yeah. me and my partner just yeah. feel the space for thirty seconds and just shut up? So there's the other side of that as well. It's definitely a fine art. Again, we could talk about open houses for yeah. two or three podcasts, and the but they, art they, thereof. And I think the point of why we brought it up in this particular podcast is that they do have value. Again, just like you guys are saying, it's not necessarily where your buyer is going to come from, but our job as listing agents is to expose it to the widest net possible. This is going to help the nosy neighbors get through it without a showing, without calling you for a private showing. So there's that aspect of it that's helpful. And yes, I think agent open houses don't 
really do a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. But the evening ones, as Corey mentioned, are huge. And even though there's a very small chance that somebody can walk in and be your buyer, there is still that chance. So, and that's our job is to find, seek out every opportunity. Yes. I did have an open house uh, recently that I think the buyer saw the sign, called their agent, came to the open house and ended up being the highest bidder. And I don't think they were really in the market for something. So it does happen. It does. There you go. Lightning does strike. Core. Yes. Last, want to round this up here because we've been talking about technology and then we're kind of circling back to a little bit more old school, which we're talking about open Mm -hmm. houses, belly to belly. Um, Let's talk about printed marketing collateral materials. Is it dead? Is it important? What's your feelings on that? I think it's so important. In fact, here at Fox Marin, we have just upped the ante on print marketing again. And print, in this specific context, sellers is talking about the print collateral that is left at your home for buyers to take as takeaways when they exit your property after viewing it. So that would be the floor plan, the MLS listing, the neighborhood profile, and the feature sheet. So the feature sheet is more of the brochure that is left on the property, just to be clear about what that is, because I don't have a visual aid here. And that feature sheet for me, and I know you guys will both agree, I want it to be best in class. I want to use beautiful paper. I want to showcase gorgeous photography. I want all the information to be bundled in there. And when somebody picks up that feature sheet, I want them to feel good about the property. It feels luxurious. It feels like something they wouldn't want to throw away. It's meaningful. Time was spent on it. Yeah, there's something about that tactile thing. Uh, And we've lost so much of that now with the information age. This is just another way to connect emotionally to the buyer. And again, like this is not a conscious thing where they're like, oh, feel this paper. They pick it up and they're like, this property feels good and it feels good in my hands. And I want to share this. And it's a really good tool for people especially now when so many parents are helping out with deposits for young people to share the property with their parents who might be helping them bankroll this acquisition and say, hey, mom and dad, this is the property I'm interested. Here's the feature sheet. And that feature sheet feels good and it looks good and it has all the information a parent might want to know. I think that really helps build trust as well. So we've actually just redesigned ours and really sort of considering the aesthetic appeal of it. And again, re-looked at the paper that we were using and are putting marketing dollars behind that too because I think it's a really, really important thing. And as we've said multiple times on this podcast today, we want to reach those buyers in whatever way we can. And if that's another way to do it, then that's our job. Ian, so you work with a wide variety of buyers from first-time buyers looking to buy their first house or moving up the property ladder or a lot of our luxury clients as well. So I'm sure you've seen the gambit of no marketing collateral, Mm -hmm. awful marketing collateral, Mm -hmm. mediocre marketing collateral, and really, really, really the best of the best. From the buyer's perspective, can you talk about what that is like for them to see that and how that affects the representation or experience of the property when they're going to see the property. I'm just going to wrap up from what Corey was saying. We just sold a property at 66 Annette, and on multiple occasions, when agents were calling me with questions, there were many, many compliments about our feature sheet. And agents were taking our feature sheets because they were so impressed with just how nice and luxurious they were. But yeah, working with a buyer and we go in and there's a QR code on a stand on the table. And you have to download your own feature sheet. Oh, gosh. Oh. Um, yeah. There's only... It's environmentally print. friendly, though. It is. But it's it's kind of a downer. I mean, it makes it, I guess, easy to share. But there's just so much noise on your phone and your devices. It's really just nice to take that that thing and put it on your table in your existing home when you get back. And later on, you're like, oh, yeah, flip through it again. And Corey, to your point about the parents, if they haven't stood in the space yet, if the print material that they have just exudes luxury, that might actually even be enough to motivate the parents to say, wow, well, they're certainly, you know, really working. Like if the marketing material is this good, how good is this property? Mm -hmm. Because 
that would certainly be helpful. But yeah, we see everything from that QR code to simply black and white printouts of the MLS listing <laughs> to maybe a copy of the survey, which nobody can read, or a, or a one-pager or a postcard or just the agent's card. So yeah, agents, you got to, this, this is huge. It's still a thing, the printed material. And the buyers don't always necessarily take it if your property is just not for them. I usually say that's just going to end up being landfill, so don't take it. But if the property's great, sometimes people are shy, but I encourage them. Please, you know, if you're really interested here, take one of these for more information mm-hmm. and then read through it when you get home and let me know if you've got more questions. It's, uh, it's great for us. It's helpful for us as buyer agents to have great takeaway for these people. It might awesome. encourage them to keep thinking about it and eventually lead to bringing an offer. For sure. And it goes back to the point, you should interview several listing agents when you're considering listing a property. And it goes back to not just looking at that online presence and communication skills of the agents and reputation of the agents and experience and tenure. Also ask, do they have collateral marketing material? And and can you see some examples of it? Like Mm -hmm. These are all things that a seller may not be thinking about that they should be thinking about because it may have a direct impact with what their net result is when they're selling a property. And sometimes that could be a difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we've seen that because you might get 10 offers on a property and one offer might be $150,000, $200,000 more than the second highest offer are you doing everything possible to attract that potential mm-hmm. buyer that's out there? Mm-hmm. And that's really what you should be looking for when you're looking to hire a listing agent. So I think we've gotten to the conclusion of uh, this awesome podcast. I've certainly uh, enjoyed it on the 10th year anniversary of Ian Busher being a real estate agent. It's amazing to see those 10 fingers manicured, looking good, Ian. They don't look like former contractor hands now, by the way. They look kind of soft. Your hands do, Ralph. I don't see any calluses. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Toronto Real Estate Podcast. Today, we've explored the landscape of property selling in 2024, discussing how to transcend traditional methods and embrace the innovative, responsive, creative, and tech-driven strategies essential in today's market. Remember, it's not just about listing your property. It's about making meaningful connections. Your potential buyers are actively searching for their next home, often while on the move. It's our job to ensure your property stands out and reaches them wherever they are. We hope you found this discussion insightful and that we armed you with the tools you'll need to find your buyer this year. Stay connected for more tips, strategies, and real estate highlights. Corey, what do we want people to know about us? I want them to know that they can contact us anytime because we are super nice and In particular with this topic, we love this part of our work. So if there are any questions or comments, but specifically anything innovative or creative or ideas, we just love it. So feel free to share with us. And Ralph, what do we like to ask people to do before we sign off? Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you want to hear more from us, please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the content uh, of this conversation, please be sure to hit that like button. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Great. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you again.